Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Narries podcast. I am your host, James Donald, joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Rowan is on the decks. Say hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. And in the studio, we have a man. Hi there. Not a woman. Uh, no. No, Amanullah <laughs> to Sandy. You're yeah. an academic. Um, you're an author of a couple of books, and uh, your areas of interest is religion, uh, namely Islam. Yeah. Um, I follow you on Twitter. And I heard John Neil Prendeville and all these other radio shows. And you were on the Tommy Tarrant show a few weeks ago as well. Uh, you come across really well. And we'd been looking to have somebody on um, of colour on the podcast for a while, but not tokenistic. I had to kind of fit with what we wanted to do too. And we had a few people lined up that pulled out or couldn't do it. And when I heard you speaking then, it was like perfect. Push it in cock. So it's handy. So... Um, before we get into it, for the people that don't know you, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit, a bit about who you are and where you're from? So um, I've been in Cork since 2015. Lucky uh, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I am currently the head of the study of religions department at University College Cork. Is that a big department and they have a lot of students looking to access courses? Yeah, so we are we are we are fairly I, I like to think it's a big department. We've there's about eight of us. Um and we teach um, all sorts of um, religions um, mm. from, I have a colleague who teaches um, Irish um, indigenous religions, paganism, mm. to Asian religions, to Eastern European Christianity. Mm. We do what a wide kind, variety of kind What kind of, of a profile of a student would access those type of courses? So we feed into, an, into the Bachelor of Arts. Um, so at the undergraduate level, we have a lot of students who are interested in religion um, mm. uh, in terms of the arts and humanities. Yeah. And then we also have um, a master's program. We do uh, an MA in anthropology and then we also have PhD students as well. Is that MA in anthropology with Dr. James Cough? That's correct. Yeah, I know James. He was in the Department of Criminology and Sociology yeah. when I was over there. But yeah. how did you, before you came to UCC, you're obviously Scottish. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, so that's that's the boring academic bit. So I, uh, born and raised in Glasgow um, to Pakistani parents. Um, um, gosh, what do, I, what do I tell you? Is I'm there not, a big Pakistani community in Glasgow? There is. So obviously dad, a big Irish community as well. Yes, yeah. So my dad came to the UK in 1952. And my mom came to the UK in 1969 um, and they ended up in Glasgow. So my parents came from quite a poor village in Pakistan, uh, in the Punjab. 
and they were, I would say my dad had um, the kind of travellers that she wanted to travel around, but there was also this economic push, like, mm. you know, to to care for the, the family. Um, and uh, my mum basically just followed him. My mum, you know, she's a talented seamstress. She would sew clothes yeah. and that would be a way of earning a little bit of money. But like my dad, when he came to the UK in the 50s and 60s, did a lot of kind of menial jobs. Mm. So my dad would talk about um, stuff that he did, you know, and it was it was just an eye opening uh, kind of, you know, when hearing it, because he would be talking about how he did bread making and thread making and mm. worked in a butcher's and um, and then he ended up having a, a wee corner shop in Glasgow, which he had for about 23 years. And I'm one of seven. And so the kind of, the, you know, that was, that was a big undertaking for, for, you know, um, first generation parents who, yeah. who weren't, who didn't have a lot, to be honest, you know, and so, um, the, the, you know, we were always, we were always kind of told in the family that, um, get an education. Cause my dad always used to say, I don't want you to end up in the shop. Mm. Because it was hard work. Um, they did but, well to establish a shop, like, they're only in the country, like, first generation, as you said. Yeah, but, you know, at that time, uh, when my parents came, they were, the, the UK, it was actually a lot more easier to get a visa to come to the UK um, because there was a shortage of people to do manual labour work. And so that was why my dad actually ended up there. But it's interesting, my dad, my dad was, was an amazing person. My dad passed away in 2010 and, um, yeah, he was 75. Um, and you know, before that there's bits of his, uh, life that I'm only beginning to hear. Like my mom was over in Cork a few weeks ago and she told me how my dad worked uh, in a weather station in Iran. <laughs> uh, my dad uh, lived in Hong Kong for four and a half years and worked at Stanley prison. My dad was fluent in Cantonese. Um, he was in Yugoslavia, Iran, Germany, and he just traveled. Um, and my dad was a bit wild, if I could kind of mm. put it like that, you know, and then, um, but, you know, Pakistani families are very, you know, you, you have to get married. And so my dad had a bit of a reputation in the village and nobody actually wanted to marry him, but it was, you know, my mom was kind of always telling us these stories about how she kind of ended up, um, marrying him and, you know, um, ending up in Glasgow. But it was a, you know, it was it it wasn't smooth sailing for us, to be mm. honest with you. I grew up in a council estate, so we had a house, and the house basically um, was subsiding, and uh, it came under compulsory purchase by the council. And sadly, my dad hadn't insured the house, and so uh, the council basically gave us a hundred pounds for it. And moved us to um, probably one of the roughest council estates in Glasgow, in Townhead. And Glasgow is notoriously known as a rough enough city in, in the context of Western Europe. Yeah, I, you know, I hear that all the time whenever mm. whenever I tell anybody that I'm from Glasgow. They're like, oh, I've been to Edinburgh. I'm like, shut up. Um, that's, what you we, know, that, that's what we get when we're, we're from Rocknahaney. It's yeah. just like we're living up in Sarajevo in 1992. <laughs> you know, that's exactly yeah. the kind of response I've got. Like people have said, oh, so you, there must be a lot of stabbings in Glasgow. I'm just like, shut yeah. up. No, it's not, you know. Mm. Um, what about the sectarianism? Because we know like... Glasgow, Scotland and Edinburgh and Glasgow especially, yeah. you have that Irish Catholic presence yeah. and you have that loyalist Protestant presence. 
what's it like for somebody of your origin growing up in that? Yeah. Was there sectarianism towards you or were you like neutral in all this? Or So, you know, I think it must have been quite difficult for my parents, um, you know, because somebody like me, somebody like my siblings, we can we can answer back, you know, uh, you know, if if we kind of know, and we can kind of also tell, you know, you know, racism or Islamophobia doesn't necessarily have to be spoken. Uh, you can kind of get it in yeah. other ways in, as well. But I think that my parents probably had it very difficult. You know, like my mum has um, quite limited English, if I could say that. And my dad was always somebody, you know, my siblings have always told uh, told told us that you know as they were growing up my dad always used to say just just you know bite your tongue and just accept it just bite your tongue and accept it you know turn the other cheek so I think it must have been quite difficult but yeah I mean you know Glasgow is all about Rangers and Celtic right so uh, but there's a running joke now where people would ask you so are you a are you a Catholic Muslim or are you a Protestant Muslim, you know? And so there's a... You had to pick a, a lot. side. Yeah, you had to pick a side, you know. But my response to that is we're a tennis nation now. We don't, We you know, we've got, we've got, well, we did have Andy. I think Andy Murray's not doing very well, but hopefully he'll come back, bounce back from that. But yeah, that was basically what I grew up in, you know. Um, yeah. Were you into sports? And uh, not really. No. Were you always in the academic. Were you always an academic? I wasn't, kid? I wasn't actually. I was just, um, I was, um, I had curiosity, but I never, to be honest with you, I wasn't very academic. I didn't really enjoy school. Um, When I was 17, I basically left school and uh, went to France for a year uh, to study Arabic um, because I just just didn't want to go. I just didn't want to to go to high school. Mm. Um, And then when I came back... um, I ended up at uni and I got in through clearance. I don't know if you have that system. In, and it's basically, it's basically all the, they do the full uh, list of universities. And if they haven't got a full full uh, uh, enrollment, they'll, they, if there's a few slots left, they'll just basically take in all the TORAGs. Oh. And I basically <laughs> got in, in that way. Um, uh, did that mean that, did that mean you, you would have to just take the course they gave you? Well, yeah, to some extent, but um, I was always interested in religion, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I and and actually, you know, because I've I have, you know, I'm the youngest of seven. My eldest brother had a lot of pressure on him to become a medical doctor because it's a very Pakistani thing to do, yeah. and I really feel sorry for my brother who basically I think got forced to become. A, a medical doctor and I have to say that when he was 21 he wanted to go on a skiing trip to Yugoslavia at that time and I shouldn't laugh but my mum took him to Pakistan and got him married to his first cousin uh, yeah I know I, we can laugh about it. Fun. I know I can laugh about it now and he's very very happy with his wife and he's got you That's know great, he's yeah. got four daughters and they're married and everything's great but it was he was really the lamb to the slaughter so you know from for him there who basically became the doctor to me being the number seven my dad you know I remember my dad just used to say you could do whatever you want you're the baby of the family I was the baby of the family I was always interested in religion religion was always something that was in the house uh, my mum you know the you know, my parents had kind of these ideas about religion that they had brought back from Pakistan, which was a mixture. You know, I've, al- I've always said this, even when I'm talking to my students, that um, we we seem to think religion is something that it looks like this. 
But religion, when it's mixed with culture and your country, can be something. Look, like I mm. think Ireland has a Christian rhythm that somebody from the inside won't necessarily see because you just accept it. Yeah. In the same way that Islam is part of the the rhythm of Pakistan that was part of how my parents understood it. And then they were bringing that to Glasgow, right? Mm. To a council estate. And so in the house, we were very, very Pakistani, very Muslim, very Punjabi. And then outside, we had basically, you know, Rangers and Celtic basically yeah. stabbing each other and, you know, <laughs> shit. So um, for me, you know, I can laugh about this now, but it, it really, it, it gave me a lot of resilience. It gave me a lot to be proud of, but it very quickly meant that I had to understand who I was. Mm. Um, You're a naturally confident person. I, I was, and yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful to my parents for yeah. that, but I was, you know, um, it, it, it came with time. Like, yeah. you know, you asked about sports. So, you know, um, my research focuses on masculinity. Um, and I wrote uh, the first book, uh, the first full monograph, uh, book-length um, interrogation of what it means to be a Muslim man. Mm. And, you know, that's a very personal thing for me mm. because when I was growing up, you know, primary school and secondary school, I was really badly bullied. You know, um, I was always interested in, for example, tennis. Mm. And my physical education teacher always put me into rugby and I absolutely detested it. Mm. And it got to the extent where I was so badly bullied in secondary school rugby that the bullies um, fr uh, broke my arm, broke my wrist. Mm. And all of this kind of made me, um, you know, it left me quite uh, afraid. And also, I've, I think it's a very Punjabi thing to kind of, well, what do I do about it? I'm not, I think for me, I've always gained strength from... This is a problem. I don't want to wallow in it. Yeah. But what do I do to fix it? And I know a lot of people can't do yeah. that. Mm. But I've I that is I think what has just made me go on like you know like I said to you I wasn't very academic, but every time somebody said oh you're going to get a uni I wanted to go to uni. Yeah. You know once I got my bachelor's my advisors of study would say said to me. I said, I might, I might go on to do a master's. No, no, you can't do a master's. I was a secondary school teacher, so I qualified as a religious education school teacher. But I was like, I want to do a bit more. And then um, my advisors at Stirling Uni were like, no, you can't do a, a master's. I went and did a master's. I did a master's on the history of Jerusalem. Yeah. Once I did my master's, you know, even my supervisor said, I, I go, well, maybe I'll do a PhD. No, you're not going to be able to do a PhD. And then I ended up at Glasgow Uni. And I did my PhD on masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I kept going, I, I think I kept going in all sorts of directions, you know, history of Jerusalem. And I was just like, this isn't me, you know? And then mm -hmm. I ended up doing my PhD on something that was actually about me, yeah. if I'm brutally honest, yeah. that I think a lot of university people don't really concede this, that our, our university, our academic work is so inextricably bound to us but we've been trained in a university system that doesn't allow us to to say that out loud. Mm. And so for me, my, my conviction, my strength is because I have to battle this every day. 
Like I wake up, you know, every day and I get it from all sides. I get it from the Islamophobes who tell me that, oh gosh, you know, who on earth are you to come here in Cork and teach us about Islam? And I also get it from my fellow Muslims as well who are like, you know, you're teaching this very unusual Islam or you live this very unusual Islam that they would not deem as mainstream, mm. you know, I talk about queer Islam. I talk about, you know, uh, mystics in Pakistan and India who are drunk and, you know, who are, um, you know, there's there's a there's a community of mystics who believe in in doing things they call mendicants, right? So they'll they, they identify as heterosexual. They wear women's clothing. They'll be high on something or another, and they'll believe that they're the brides of God and. I've always found that really yeah. fascinating mm-hmm. because that's these are my people, yeah. right? Yeah. And at some level, I connect this to a lot of what I've seen in Glasgow. And what I've seen in Glasgow, I connect to where my parents came from in Pakistan yeah. in ways that that just um, just makes the world a wee bit you know, not as far apart in the way that we seem to think about it. Yeah, can I ask you a question on um, the mas- masculinity and Muslim men? Like, is this... And apologies now if I come across as fucking ignorant, right? Because I know very little about Muslim people or Islam and that religion. But, like, if I'm Christian or Catholic man, born a Catholic, not practising, yeah. but I would say I... I have faith and I pray and all these things. Yeah. But if you're a Catholic in Ireland and you're a Catholic in Italy, obviously it's two separate cultures as well. Yeah. You know, so if sometimes we can look at Muslim men on television in one country yeah. and kind of brand all yeah. 1.8 billion Muslim yeah. people as yeah. this person. Yeah. I'd say that must be very frustrating for you. It is. And that's basically, you know, half, I think maybe even more than of my teaching in uh, uh, UCC is about that, is about trying to get my students to see there are more, there's more than one way to, to understand Muslims or to see Islam Mm -hmm. and that there are over a billion Muslims in the world and no, no two of them are alike. Like I can't even get my own siblings to agree with me. How on earth am I going to get somebody you know, in another country to agree with me. And I think that once you break it down to that, you you break down this idea that we've made, put in our head about the other. Because the other is always something that we can uh, either draw closer to us or we can push away and say, that's, you're, you're odd, stay away. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, if you can challenge yourself by mixing up a wee bit and kind of saying, okay, you know, I don't quite see myself in you, but how does my interaction with you allow me to understand my uniqueness a bit better? Mm. And that, we all win. We yeah. all win when we do that. What it's a good way to put it. Totally. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I'm all about kind of, um, like, I, I always think of travel or community when I, you know, it's similar. We look at a negative headline and yeah. we just say all travellers are criminals, yeah. they don't work, and all these things. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. And another thing in Ireland we have a habit of doing is all those foreigners coming over here taking our jobs as if we didn't fucking destroy UK jobs market yeah. and we didn't build America. And we still actually continue to do that today. There's so many of our generation in Australia and Canada that left after yeah. the recession. 
or like this idea of borders can be very divisive for people. Yeah. But what do you think about uh, radicalization? And is mm. there a difference between if a young person grows up in Cork City, right? And the young person, uh, there's lots of poverty there, mental health addiction in the yeah. home, and he goes to the street. Yeah. And he sees a way of getting out of that life and he's groomed into a gang and he ends up you know, yeah. committing atrocities, yeah. crime, um, violence and yeah. all that stuff. And then uh, same guy is born in Iraq, grows up in this very hard yeah. life and he goes to the streets and there's this group of men that's offering him better quality of life. But he has to do this. Yeah. Isn't both of them radicalization? Yeah. And but you know you're you're talking about radicalization. What what yeah. I would say is look at this individual. What have we and I I I bring that as a collective. We yeah. what have we done for this individual to want to do this? And it could be the, the this can be anything. You know I I don't really you know without kind of giving away too much but you know they, in my family there's you know in my extended family there are issues of addiction that you know we we grew up with and seeing it up close and it's very hard to um to to, to kind of um offer a very concrete conclusion oh gosh you're just you know you just ended up like that because mm. and it's never that simple mm. you know and I've, I've seen it so much that, you know, when you actually begin to see, you know, the, where did this person come from? I want to know what happened to this person yeah. in their early life yeah. that made them want to do that. And that was why I got really interested in, in masculinity. It was very personal to me. I, I think I, I came out of it well, you know. Um, but I've seen so many people kind of suffer. And you suffer for many, many different reasons. It could be a societal thing it could be a, a a religious thing because you know religion can be something wonderful right because when i talk to my students and they see some of them some of my students are like religion is awful do you know what religion did do you know what the priests did do you know what this and x y and z and you know what the nun and i always say to them okay i'm not wanting to change your mind on that but you also have to look at the other side which is that you that this concept of charity this concept of giving something to someone who is less fortunate than you, it was actually Judaism, Christianity and Islam that put that into a system. Mm. And they kind of look at me and they're like, well, I go, because I ask you the question, why on earth do you want to love your neighbour? Mm. Why on earth do you want to give charity to somebody? And they're like, because it's the right thing to do. I go, but the thing is, you have to think about the whole, you know, kind of the, the, the journey of why we've got to the stage where we think that's the right thing to do. Like, do not kill, right? Why don't we kill? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, why do some people do this? You know, and then it goes into, you can go into all sorts of kind of discussions. Like, I, t I just said to you that there's there's groups of Muslims who who believe in smoking this and drinking this and, and the, in that in that intoxication they want to get closer to god but we also know that that this can take you onto a onto a a, a very dark space mm. my religion has has talked about that this is why the majority of muslims don't drink alcohol 
And the reason for that is because in my in my tradition, there's the idea that too much of intoxication will firstly take you away from the remembrance of God, but there's also other stuff that can happen. Look, there's a there's a whole variety of people yeah. who will who will you know kind of go from not drinking yeah. to you and know. I think um, religion is a good thing, and I think that you know people humans are innately spiritual and we need something outside of us but the problem at the moment in ireland as i see it is the predominantly catholic country that's not so catholic anymore and the void has been filled by culture and a contemporary culture isn't so helpful for your health and well-being and our new deities our gods now can be influencers it can be advertising and that's like there's a very difference between religion and culture really i suppose where where that all also depends is really is the actual person and where they are on their own journey yeah because for example we had a lady on here last night as well talking about her story and Hazel. thinking a lot about her own situation and the people that were, were 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 doing stuff to her and it was happening when they were all kids okay it was all mad shit went down now i won't get into it but i was saying like how does a child fucking do this like because a child's brain they don't understand what they're mm. doing you know and um and, and the man about the, 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 the men they don't understand and i said and they go on and they go on and um, it can be very like it, it can be very like we then as a as a, as a collective mm. as a society when something goes into the media we slaughter that person mm. that does that action you know we we, we slaughter what happened this girl was fucking inexcusable mm-hmm. okay but sometimes we don't actually even know what kind of how these people's heads are how what happened when they were like they were probably brought up in situations that the the shit that was going on that they were doing was set normal they yeah. thought it was how you act or how yeah. you, mm. you know it's complete so it's such complex mm. area it's yeah. so complex yeah. and as human beings i don't think we understand how complex yet yeah. that kind of whole nature and nurture thing is yeah. it's it's so out there but um Another point I wanted to make is when somebody does come into, they go through their life, like we were brought up as Christians, you know, Christian school. Religion was a massive thing. You do this, you're going to hell. You know, you're going to hell. I was shitting, shitting of God. Mm -hmm. I feared God and hell and everything so much. But um, as, as time went on and I went into addiction and I came out of addiction and everything else, I found something else, right. which is spirituality. Yeah, which is not that it's any god. Yeah, it's it's the love within yeah. me. Yeah, it's nothing else. It's just about listening to the ghost, doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, don't always get it right. Yeah. But that's everybody's journey, isn't it? Like yeah. when when I teach my first years in in religion, I always say to them, "Look, we're going to give you so many different boxes and all these different religions, but what you'll be able to find." within all of them are answers to three of the ultimate questions that everybody is on a journey of. But, and we may not ask these questions directly, we may, some of us might, but it's where did I come from? What on earth am I doing here? And where am I going to end up? Mm-hmm. And it's trying to find the answers 
to these three questions that can lead you into all sorts of different directions. Yeah. Some very, very good. Helping others, loving your neighbor in a good way, you know, or it could take you and somebody could say, my purpose in this life is just, you know, I've had so many people say to me, oh, it's just uh, fun. I want to have fun. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Uh-huh. Is the, And the, there has to be an ethical answer to this. Uh-huh. And that means that we all soul search about what's good and what's bad. And there's no right or wrong answer to this. My, it is sadly, my co-religionists who have bombed, you know, have done, have done horrible things to good people in the name of my religion. Mm. Yeah, I also know that there are people who, you know, um, who are, who are feeding the hungry, feeding the poor, mm. helping people through all sorts of different experiences. Mm. And it's all, they're, they're fine. They're trying to find that answer of what is my purpose on this earth? Yeah, and, and I suppose your journey is that purpose. You're, yeah. you're like people forget that they're searching for their purpose instead yeah. of just understanding their purpose yeah. is in that moment Absolutely. what they're doing. Yeah, it's not an end story no. or an end picture or no. an end job. It's no, your purpose is where you are now, what you're doing now. Yeah. That's your purpose. Yeah. I it, never, I never in a million years yeah. ever thought that I would get to this stage in universities. No. And I'm not honestly not being, you know, modest. I never thought that. I just, I just, my drive was to continually ask questions. I had this continual thirst to ask questions and very difficult questions. I once asked an imam, I said, we Muslims have to pray five times a day. What if we die and there's no God? And I could see the look on my friends' faces in that classroom. They're like, what the hell are you asking? And the imam was amazing. And he goes, okay, if there's no God, at least it would have given you some discipline in your day. And I thought, that's a good answer. (laughs) You know, it was just... Do you know what that's like? It's like... It's like when you're a child growing up in in old old Catholic Ireland, really, and you're being told... Um, about what, what your sins are. Oh, I taught my sister for F off or whatever it may be. And, oh, you have to say you're going to hell or whatever and all these things. And then later on, you start to think, like, if God is supposed to be all good and all love and everything else, why would he send me to hell for telling my sister to yeah. F off? Yeah. See, that is fear driven back in the day. It's yeah. so, like, yeah. we're so, yeah. it's, and it, it does cripple because I'm a young, young child, he's 10. Mm. And. He was in school, whatever, and, and there's an elderly lady in the school, and um, her, she's still old school, old school kind of religious and stuff like that, and uh, we were talking, and then he said something about hell and sins and stuff, and I looked at him and I said, who said that to you, you know, because I don't want my kids, I don't want my kids listening to that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because I know the affair will instill into them. Yeah. You know, and, and I says, and I sat him down and I talked to him nice and gently. I said, that's cool. That's, some people have different beliefs mm-hmm. to others. Some people are still kind of understand, believe things like this. I says, but no, I want you to listen to me. I says, we all make mistakes. Mm. You're not going to hell because you make a mistake. You know, God loves you no matter what, yeah. no how many, how many sins you make. You know, you're always going to, and he says, is there heaven? I says, it's my belief. Your heaven is here on this earth. Mm. It's, it's a place of being. It's, it's, mm. it's a place yeah. of 
it's it's your where you are in your head it's where yeah. where you are in your body it's where you are with people it's it's everything yeah. like that you know yeah. i think um religions as well you know like the thought of being on this earth as an animal that's going to die is a very frightening prospect yeah i think religions first of all it gives us a bit of security a bit of scaffolding yeah. around of this is who I am. I'm a part of something. There's something outside of me that's going to help me along my way. And at the end of the road, I'm going to go here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, life becomes more manageable. Yeah. I mean, I have this existential dread of, oh, I'm going to die. So yeah. I think religion serves a great purpose yeah. in that. But but the but the most important thing is, is no matter who tells you that religion is black and white, that this Christianity says, or Islam says, or Judaism says, they're talking nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't. Because yeah. religion doesn't speak. It's people who speak. Mm-hmm. And so the, div- the, different, the different people that you meet, you'll also hear different ideas. And this is why I think, gosh, you've taken me down the route of God. This is why I think this idea of God, whether you believe in it or not, is such a fantastic yeah. idea. It has sustained for so long because you can understand God and it can make you do so many different things. And that is where I think it's really important to allow a personal search in everybody. You know, there's a big debate right now about religious education in schools in Ireland Mm. and whether it's important or not. I think studying religion is really important because... You have to, as long as you allow the individual, your kids, whoever it is, as a grown-up, to have their own personal search. No, you, you can't force-feed yeah. ethics. You can't force-feed anybody to do, but you can make individuals think and reflect on what's good and what's bad. But even when people say, even when my students say, I don't believe in any religion, I say, but you're, you're asking the same questions about what's right or wrong in your everyday life that a religious person's also asking. That can be great. Yeah. That can be absolutely great when the the the, the hell is taken out of it and you're going to hell because yeah. of sins and all. Religion can be a great thing because it, it's my belief now that God is God is nothing else but just love, complete, not a love. Yeah. And there's no such thing. Like, there's, there's no God going to sell you send anybody to a place where it's it's fire reasons being because god knows everything okay Mm -hmm. and god completely understands why a human being behaves in some way because Mm -hmm. of their upbringing something that may have happened them changed them along the way how do you judge somebody if that's I they think don't that's even a big know. problem about how judging. How do you how do you judge somebody yeah. on an action where they're only acting on stuff that they were taught growing up? Yeah. Do, do you know? Yeah. Uh, so so it, it, I've often thought about it in that respect that if God knows everything, God is certainly not going to send that soul anywhere to make it worse again because they never knew any better in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, you sound like a theologian. You, you, you sound, you, you, you know more about this. You've got more questions on this than me. I'm, yeah. I always just kind of stand back and I'm just like, you know what, this is, these are the kind of issues that are going on. But again, I think that that is really important to do. And a lot of people are afraid to have these conversations now mm-hmm. because, you know, 
there used to be a time where when I did used to love flying and I, I would you know you always end up having a wee conversation with the person sitting next to you I was used to I used to always not want to say I teach religion because the conversation could go in any direction know, and when you say you people teach can Islam, get fanatical about yeah, it like, yeah but you know at the end of this I also think that we also have to appreciate that people who have no faith people who don't believe in an organized religion or people who don't believe in God they you know I can't even believe I'm having to say this they live full ethical good lives mm. and the thing is that we what we've done is we, we we kind of sometimes say oh but you know if you don't have Christianity if you don't have Islam then surely you 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 can't really be and I don't I don't believe in that because I I really think and I really believe this and a lot of my own Muslim friends would probably disagree I don't think that any faith has a monopoly on truth mm-hmm. I really think that truth your truth can be very very different all I wish to see is that we can arrive at something that's that some measure of ethical or some measure of you know please don't kill me yeah, yeah. right and, and i know that sounds uh, uh quite simplistic but we haven't for how long have we been mm. civilized as human beings yet we still we still kill each other yeah. and it's not just the physical it's the mental mm. abuse that religion can be weaponized it can be yeah and it can cripple people this is why i wanted to find out what is it is there only one way to be a muslim man because all i kept hearing was you have to be married and you have to have kids and you have to you know live up to this and and i thought oh my goodness this is such a huge burden mental burden on so many muslims around the world mm. And when I was studying this, I just, you know, and I thought, but there's also God in this. There's also your culture in this. And I'm thinking about my parents who came from Pakistan. And I just, it just made me kind of realize that, you know, there's there's so much going on in, in how we kind of understand that. But, you know, one of the things I've, I, I, I kind of researched and found out is that the Quran, right? The Quran is what Muslims believe in. It's a book. It's a, it's a divine text that has all sorts of men in it. Mm. It has prophets in it, like Jesus. Yeah. Muslims believe he, he, he's a prophet who didn't even have a dad. Mm. We don't even know whether Jesus got married and had 2.4 children, which we keep hearing about. And a dog called Spot. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, we, we hear about the, the prophet, jo- uh, you know, Joseph. You know, Joseph, you all know Joseph and his amazing children, who falls in love with his stepmom. The, you know, the Islamic sources are very, very explicit that he's about to have, you know, intercourse with her when he actually gets a revelation from God saying you can't have sex with her because she's your stepmom. I mean, there's ethical issues going on over there. Mm. It talks about love. It talks about sex. Then you have the prophet Muhammad, who is the last prophet in Islam. He's He gets married. He has kids. His wife dies. And then he has, what, 11, 12, 13 wives. I mean, you really have to think carefully <laughs> about how on earth are you still being presented with this one way of being Muslim and male? Yeah. But what, what holds it all together is this belief in God because the relationship that an individual has, whether they're male, female, or transgender, or whatever way they identify, that relationship that they have with God cannot be replicated between anybody else. Mm. My relationship with God cannot be 
I can't, I can't, you know, it's not duplicated in any other person. That's amazing. Yeah. Right? Which means that the Prophet Muhammad, the Prophet Joseph, Adam, all of these prophets had their own singular relationship. And there's something to be learnt that I believe at the very core of Islam, and I think by extension Judaism and Christianity, is the internal diversity. We are all very different and we all have different paths to God. And yeah, the, the, the Quran and the Bible, like and other uh, religious texts, they've been written at a specific time in history yeah. by individuals, mainly men. men. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the Bible, because I'd be more familiar with that, obviously, you know, there's so much wisdom in that book that can give us a guide of how to, what, what is a good life, yeah. what is the good man, ethic, yeah. ethics, morality, all these things are like, these guide us along the way. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in it that's not helpful for you, to you. Yeah. But you take from it the good stuff and you have to park all that stuff. Yeah. But you think that it's a problem when people get into the minutia as justification for some negative yeah. you can justify, You can justify anything. Mm. My co-religionists justify killing innocent people in the name of God. And that's not something particular to Muslims. You have mm. the Crusades in Christianity. You have all sorts of wars that are done in the name of, in the name of God. But the Sorbs. Absolutely. Murder. But what you need, what I really believe is, you always need a counter-narrative. Where you have somebody who is, for me, and I'm speaking personally, this scary form of masculinity in the form of Osama bin Laden. And everybody knows, when I say Osama bin Laden, you that image comes to in your yeah. brain, right? Yeah. Tarben, beard, oh gosh, what did he do? I always say, you. I need, I must counter that. And I counter it with, I don't know, I'm, I'm, many of your listeners, maybe you have, if you've ever been to Turkey. Yeah, right, I've been, yeah. You've been to Turkey and you'll be aware of the mystics who they, they wear long flowing dresses and the guys and the women and whatever way they identify themselves, they just whirl all day long to music. And they're going round in a circle, dancing in a trance because they are remembering the unity of God and that they're remembering God. And I think, how many times have we been presented with that form of Islam? that form of gendered Islam. Mm. But all we see, you Google, you know, you, you, you Google image, right? Um, Muslim man or Muslim woman. Gosh, you just see it. You yeah. just see what comes up. It won't take too long no. for, for him yeah. to pop we, up. We've been conditioned. We, we, we you know, we, we're such a visual uh, entity now. We've got our Instagram and we've got our Snapchat and you don't even need to say anything now. You just put a picture in front of people yeah. and you're just like, this is it. You know, yeah. this is a Muslim man now. Yeah. And the power of that, you know, it's actually part of my job of getting students to unread a picture and getting them to read something more mm. than just seeing a picture is a big thing. And, and it's, it's the all... Same. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. If you say it, the north side or, or whatever, it's yeah. the same kind of analogy really, isn't it? Yeah, it's like if you look... If, if you look uh, at an area. Yeah, like the... 
this here, right? That's the reservoir in Ochnahini. It's okay. a big water tower on the top of the hill close right. to Apple Computers, European headquarters. Okay. It's the emblem of our area. Right. But it can sometimes be an emblem of Ochnahini, which brings a lot of negative connotations. Right. So we wanted to use that as like, no, this is something that we should be proud of. Yeah. And it's not all negativity and there's a lot of positive stuff comes from this area too. Yeah. So like... Yeah. And I totally, I totally resonate with that because, yeah. you know, when I tell people that I'm from Tunheed, they're like, you're from Townhead. I'm just like, yeah. And I'm actually very proud of it. Yeah. I'm very proud of being from Townhead. And because that's where I got high rise flats, you know, um, mothers and sons and daughters, you know, swearing this and swearing that. And I'm just like, that was home. You yeah. know, that was where I grew up. Yeah. Seeing through all of that difficulty. And just kind of pushing through it, you know. Exactly, so, and the resilience that the people in those neighbourhoods have, and the community spirit, and all these things that you won't get in the more affluent areas, are maybe not in as much as abundance. But one thing I wanted to ask you about there was denominations within Islam, yeah, and the difference between a Sunni Muslim and a Shiite Muslim, right? And if you can explain the conflict or the causes oh, of gosh, it, that's just like, gosh, how many hours do you have? <laughs> maybe. Um, the dummies version yeah. of it. So basically, you know, you have, they're, they're largely kind of theological. They're just very, very minor disagreement on, for example. Like Protestant Catholic type. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, kind of. Like we're, we're, we're both Christians. Yes. But we kind of disagree on some details yes, yes. along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically what you had was after the death of the Prophet Muhammad, you know, the, commun the community was like, okay, so who's going to lead? You know, there's no more prophets coming. Is it going to be from the prophet's uh, bloodline? Or are we going to elect somebody? And so, they were, I mean, that's a very, very simplistic yeah. way of kind of talking about it. But you just had disagreements. You just had disagreements and, and you had different branches of, you know, the, the community that kind of developed. But I think that's that was that was kind of inevitable. I myself, I'm, I'm Sunni. Okay. Um, Is that uh, the biggest community yeah and again i i find that very difficult you know to, to, to respond to that because you kind of think all right so you know the lar the largest percentage are uh, sunni so there's a small percentage of shia and i'm sure you have that actually i've had conversations like this with my students about uh, catholics and protestants in ireland that yeah. you know even even when i was moving to ireland people used to say oh you know ireland's a, a catholic uh, nation or actually people used to people Somebody said to me, oh, Ireland's very post-Catholic. And I'm like, what Never does heard that, of that mean? One, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, it was unbelievable. But again, it's our preconceived ideas of what somebody should look like or what to expect. Like I've said this so many times, but you know, when, before I moved to Cork, some, I actually had a really intelligent person in Miami say to me, don't move to Cork, you're going to get shot. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I teach Islam. Where every time I say I teach Islam, they're like, you're not a terrorist, are you? And I'm just like, here it's kind of just moved <laughs> yeah. to a, you, do you know what I mean? And I it's, it's how we've kind of built, how we've built these imaginations in our head yeah. of what people are. And I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that there are still people who, you know, want to harm people, you know. Mm. Yeah. But, but some, some people, some people don't, sorry, James. No, it's uh, just it's, I, was, I was just thinking like some of these people that like the, the the gap between the presidents and the the Catholics. Some of them don't even know why they're fighting. Mm. It's just it's just passed on through yeah. generation. Yeah. Oh, stay away from them. They're this or that, and 
like some of these kids are just being brainwashed yeah. and it reminds me of you know I, I had a friend who lived um, in Ibrox which yeah. is where Rangers are and um, I'd never been I've never been to an old firm match or anything right but but I, my, my, this is most of my family are actually Celtic supporters except one of my brothers is a Rangers supporter um, which is really interesting conversation but mm, um, we I remember once going to see my friend who lived round the corner from Ibrox but there was there was an old firm match and it was the first time I heard the chanting, you know, the, the, the kind of sectarian chanting. And I thought, my goodness, this is like a a, a, a lesson on kind of religion. Mm. And the stuff they were saying doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And it was all this male bravado yeah. with their tenants laggers and kind yeah. of this to the Pope and this to the Queen. And I was just like... Mm. And I was sitting there with my friend, I was like, this doesn't actually make sense. And he goes, well, a lot of discrimination that we have against people doesn't make sense. And I was just like, I, I know this. But it, it took me, you know, that moment to be in the thick of it, to actually see it. But it's 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 continuing. I mean, yeah. it's how these things get all overlapped, you know, like talking about kind of Celtic and then talking about Irishness and then talking about Catholicism and then being anti do you know what I mean and it just yeah. it just kind of goes on and on and that's yeah. exactly what I see uh, when a lot of people some people talk about Islam or talk about Muslims and it just spirals into this absolutely incoherent <laughs> conclusion think, you're just like this doesn't make sense I think, <laughs> I think maybe a, a, Glas, a Glaswegian Celtic support this idea of who we are in Ireland yeah. I, I think they might be disappointed when they come over here <laughs> and we're not walking around with AKs and you know baiting down the British Embassy to yeah. get out the door you know yeah. but, but I think we're after drifting so far away in, in life as, 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 as humans to be arguing over a religion over a difference in a religion like why, you know, you see the thing is with the thing is with this the sectarian thing with the nationalists and loyalists only became the religious thing later. Yeah. It was like in Ireland's fights for freedom over the centuries, it was Irishness and lots of Catholics or lots of Protestants fought and died for that Irish cause. One of the most famous being Theobald Wolf Tone yeah. and the United Irishmen in the seventeenth century. And there was lots of lots of Protestants died for Ireland's freedom. You know, yeah. it just became sectarian after the around the partition and stuff like that. But that's not actually the cause of it. And then stuff like in in feuds and traveller families as well. Like stuff just goes on, and next oh, yeah. you just socialize it. Nobody actually understands yeah. the root yeah. cause of it. Yeah. But all you know is that that's a community over there that you're not a part of, and you have conflict with them. Yeah. And I think there's so many conflicts around the world that are just legacy conflicts yeah. that don't really make sense. And yeah. that's the complex part of the human being, really. But it's about it's about actually reflecting on this because I think one of the biggest questions that we're going to have to deal with in Ireland is what does it mean to be Irish? Hmm. Because I've, I grew up in Scotland where that mantra about we're all Jock Tamsons Bairns, I don't know if you've heard that before, no. it basically means that we're, we're all Jock Tamsons Bairns, we're all... To get, we're all this big family, whoever Jock Tamsin was, but yeah. we're, you know, I don't hear that enough in Ireland. Mm. I don't hear, I, 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 and, and I, I, it is changing, mm. but um, this kind of broad tent Scottishness that I grew up with, where my dad 
having this corner shop and my dad's name was Inayat, but the, the local uh, Glaswegian women would call my dad Willie because it was easier, obviously, to call him <laughs> Willie than call him Inayat. My dad was seen as Scottish, but whereas... And my mum is seen as Scottish because my mum has a very has a very interesting Glaswegian accent now, which you know totally blew me away um, when she came to Cork. I don't hear that enough in Ireland, mm. and I and I don't hear it from white people. And when I speak to the, if I could call them the new immigrants who have come, maybe from India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, wherever, there's. They, they, I don't feel, I, I don't think they've, they have this very deep sense of belonging mm. because they're still separate in some way. Funnily enough, I don't know how this has happened. I feel more, and it's probably because I've got a Scottish accent and I can talk about Glasgow and I kind of like, you know, and it's funny because people say to me, Aman, you, you've kind of gelled into Ireland. And I said, it's because... I'm second generation Scottish. Yeah. Right? And so it, don't think that, that Scotland turned overnight to embrace its new individuals. I mean, I, again, the racism and stuff that my parents had to endure, you yeah. know, in order yeah. for me to now stand up and, you know, be invited to by the Scottish government in Dublin's, you know, parties and stuff. And I turn up there in a kilt and of course they wheel me out because they're like, oh, look, we've got this brown guy who's got a Scottish <laughs> accent and he wears a kilt. But it takes time. Yeah. But we need to do that in Ireland. I, re- I, I say that because I'm, I feel a part of this question. I've been here now since 2015. I feel a part of it. And I think if we don't ask these difficult questions, if we don't start thinking about is... It, are we are we categorizing Irishness with a specific religion? Mm. Are we categorizing it with a specific color of your skin? We're going to all fail because we're all going to lose. But it requires us to discuss this mm. and to try to see what can we do to make sure that this Irishness is a much more broader tent. Because then it's going to and I, I think for them. for the unity of the island, which we all hope to get at yeah. some stage, where we're going to have to come away from the idea that we're going to have to beat everybody into this tricolor and beat everybody into this national anthem because that's yeah. not going to fly. And we're going to, it's going to have to be more inclusive. And this idea of Irishness as being like, like we're not caught up in specific colours and specific songs. Do you know, we can keep our culture, we can integrate yeah. other cultures. And we if, can be different. What's, yeah. the, what's the problem? The thing is, we want to keep boxing people, putting stuffing people into boxes. You guys probably get that, you know, when you're talking about where you came from or people keep wanting to stuff me into this town yeah. head. You're from a council estate. Know, know where, you know, where you belong. And yeah. I and I turn around and I'm just like, excuse me, you, you know, I'm, I, I've got a doctor in front of my name and mm-hmm. I, I play that when yeah. I need to do it. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? You kind of think about how did that happen? Yeah. And it's about trying to f- understand how we make sure that, you know, all these different categorizations of you're lower than me, you're higher than me, and yeah, it's all nonsense. Have you experienced is. Islamophobia in your time in Cork? Um, subtle ways, but in- I think institutional or personal or both or both. It's yeah, but I, I think that I, I think people are scared of me. <laughs> Uh, people don't really know how to deal with me and I'm I'm very vocal. If I see something that's wrong, I yeah. will speak up about it. 
That's what and they're I afraid will, of. And I will yeah. fight. I will. I will. I will fight a battle that I mm. think is needed. Yeah. There's yeah. many battles that I walk away going, "This isn't. This is too. Yeah. This for my mental health. I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. And it's yeah. not something that needed to be done. But I will put up a fight where I believe that that it's going to help me and also other people. Mm. You know, I'm the chair of the Race Equality Forum at the university. This is a new forum that's been set up because universities in Ireland are now beginning to take seriously that we have a, a, a racism problem, not yeah. just within our universities, but, you know, outside of our universities, because universities are not bubbles. They're part of society. Exactly. You know, and that, that needs to... That's affecting our students who, yeah. who if you know that that saying, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think that is just, that just yeah. makes me, I, I get people come up to me. They're like, oh my God, you grew up in a council estate. You're the head of a department. I'm like, you can be that as well. Yeah. But you can be that as well. As long as we've all, we're, we're, we keep questioning the structures because our structures can stop us from getting there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, our core beliefs yeah. that we're limited to yeah. what we can see in front yeah. of us are around us. Yeah. You know, um, like we can completely relate to that yeah. coming from the council estate or the, the, the crazy or poor areas yeah. where there's loads of crime. Yeah. But it things, the, one of the main reasons we have this podcast and we bring on so, so many people like us is because we need to change people's perception of that within our own areas yeah. where we grew up yeah. and, and leave. Sorry, James. Yeah. And um, like it's, it's, it's about teaching parents of young children to teach their kids in these areas that their kids can do anything. Yeah. You know, not, not putting any limitations on them. It's about telling them, do you know what, John or Mary, you you can actually be anything you want and, and start talking to these kids like yeah. that at a really young age mm -hmm. instead of saying, he's stupid at maths. Why would he want to be going to in the college or anything like that? That's creating another yeah. belief within yeah. you know, and, and mental and physical strength is all the wealth that you need. Mm -hmm. If you're not strong in yourself... If you, if you, you know, if we're not empowering people to have that strength, they're not going to be able to do anything. There are people living in palaces who, who feel that they're, they, they, they're broken. You know, they're, they're, they're carrying traumas. No matter how much luxury or wealth they've got, that's, I, I don't believe that that's going to give you everything that you want. Sure, you know, you've got your money, you can go traveling, but this, there's a there's other riches, you know, that that what are we doing to empower people? And I'm not taking away from the fact that you know, okay, so you could be mentally, but you don't have food on the table. It's I'm not saying that, but yeah. what I'm saying is that that I I look at my students and I, I think what can I enrich this student with so that when they go away, they think about things and they and that that when you have that strength of mind you you will grow and you will gain mm. you know when i grew up to be honest with you I, I never chased money i never i never thought people used to say to me you're going to be very poor why are you studying religion mm. and you know what I, I i thank of god's blessing that i i'm i'm i feel so blessed with yeah. what i've got when i was doing my masters in criminology there's a few people who say to me what jobs are you going to get out of an arts master's <laughs> yeah. not so I, 
just want I, I'm interested in this. I and want to learn something. Do you know what I mean? And that just goes back to the 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 way we speak to our kids. Like you had it in your area where you're gonna to do studying religion, criminology. Yeah. yeah. And that brings us back. Like it's it's continuous the whole way up. You don't yeah. have to be a child to be told you can't do this, can't do that, yeah. whatever. But it's the, it's the it's the philosophy around like education is not just about creating workers yeah. do you know what i mean it's about yeah. developing people to follow whatever um wh- whatever they want but one thing i wanted to t- touch on there before you went to me is yeah. you spoke about choosing your battles now my wife is a traveler and i don't know how many times i've been in situations where her stuff is said and i can feel the hurt in her yeah and she doesn't address it because if you would address it all the time you'd you'd be doing it every day exactly. and it would wear you down yeah. but on other occasion then she would address it. Yeah. Um. So I could completely you understand. Pick, you pick your battles. You do. You know. You do. But you know. You know. The, I, I. You wake up every day. I wake up every day, and I think you know. I'm. I'm not like the majority of people that I see in the street. I'm not like the majority of people that I see in the university. What am I going to do? How do I work through that so that I don't continually think of myself as a victim? Yeah. But I also do something because I think I, I, I think in my in my soul I must be a teacher. I always want to make a teaching moment to yeah. get people to think about it. It is. I think the difference between yourself and her, or for somebody of color and a traveler, is more often than not, a traveler looks like yeah. everybody else, yeah. and people can be more explicit about how they say stuff. Whereas yeah. if somebody is racist but they're in the presence of somebody that's brown or black yeah. or whatever they're it might slip out yeah. or they mightn't say it at all yeah. but sometimes for people that are travelers that don't go around with a big traveler mm. sign on their back yeah the racism can be very explicit yeah. and then you're sitting there and you're like oh my god yeah like what do i do here but we're on the same we're in the same boat oh, if totally, i could call it that you totally. know and I, to be honest with you um I, it's been a huge learning curve for me being in ireland to hear about you know some of the the really difficult um scenarios that irish travelers have had to go through yeah and I, and when i hear the stories i'm just like oh my goodness it's yeah. exactly the same what we go through and it's yeah. the names and and it's 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 about it's not about the physical bit. It's about bringing that person down in their brain so that they have no confidence. And I just yeah. think, gosh, this is yeah. we've got it's, to yeah. we've got to counter that. We've got to continually counter that. And I, you know, I, you know, on Twitter, I see there's some brilliant, brilliant people who do it day in day out. I worry about them a wee bit. Mm. Like I, I'm on Twitter as well, but I, I take a break. Yeah. Because I have privilege. You know, I have a house, I can go away, I can go on a wee holiday. But people who don't have that privilege mm. and they have to continually fight that and they're on Twitter and they're kind, you know, it's just, I just, I, it just, it's so sad mm. to see that. That's unhealthy for you as well. You know, to, to, if, to switch off is a huge privilege. Yeah, but if you're fighting your cause on Twitter, you're never going to win on Twitter. No. Because for every... For many different opinions, like... And, and it doesn't matter if you have the best yeah. argument in the world backed up by two PhDs and three books. Somebody's always going to say, I disagree. Yeah. And you're bit, so you don't even go there. Yeah. You're better off. I was going to say there um, about your classes in the college. For anybody that would have any form of interest in what you teach, like... I. Uh, my initial thoughts was okay this man talks about religions and stuff but there's so much depth to you as a person mm. you know there's so much character you know 
uh, charisma, you're full of energy and I'd say your lectures are fun and engaging. Yeah, and I, I, I also think um I also think it it it's a little bit of a philosophy class as well. Yeah. Where you're learning a little bit about life, maybe a bit of spirituality. Yeah. And teaching people how to how to to change their own lives and how to be more open-minded with, with, with everybody else around yeah. us, you know, because that's what I'm after getting from this yeah. interview here is there's so much depth. I'd say you could go into a, a number of other areas and start yeah. teaching me a little bit of psychology. I really, I really want whoever I speak to, yeah. to go be thinking about themselves. I don't want, you know, a lot of... I, there's a lot of people who are so um, self-centered that they're like, I want everybody to be like me. I don't. I'll give you one example. I had a student once who took an evening class of mine in Glasgow and he came the first day of the class. I always say, why are you doing this class? Right. And so there was actually there were two. One of them turned around and said, I'm doing this class because your people are killing my people. And I want to know what it is that your people are doing to kill my people. And I was just like, okay, we just park that and we'll just go on. And then there was another guy. Who turned around and said, I'm really interested in Islam. I'm doing this course. I'm going to convert to Islam. I'm and it was, I was just like, so from that to that, yeah. right? And and basically what happened was the person who said, your people are killing my people. She went away going, I was completely wrong. I'm really sorry about this. And I just think, and I was just like, but at some level, there are some of my people who are doing yeah. that. So I want you to keep that in mind. And the guy who wanted to convert to Islam, he went away going, you've made me a better Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and I went away going, that's basically what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because I think everybody's on their own personal search. Oh, I think so. And yeah. I, I really have no, I mean, Islam, like Christianity, we're religions that believe in missionary work, that believe in conversion. I personally don't like, I don't like conversion. When I hear of people converting to Islam, I'm just like, you, what, what are you converting to? You, do you want to convert Islam isn't this bubble. Do you want to convert to the Islam that my parents brought from Pakistan? Are you going to start eating curries and making naan and all the rest of it? You know, and if you, I just think that that searching within yourself, you'll be able to find even people who are finding, you know, and I, and I hear this a lot amongst uh, queer individuals who are having a real difficult time with religion. And religion is this huge, heavy burden. Like, you know, queer Muslims are, going through a very difficult time and I always say to them try to find an alternative voice what is it what is a queer Muslim gay man or gay man yeah yeah, okay. yeah. who feel Islam I haven't heard is that. just I haven't heard that I, I haven't heard that yeah. word in a long yeah. long time I know yeah. I didn't even know we could say queer <laughs> yeah well the, the word is I think kind of being uh, re what's the word um, it's being uh, people are using it as a term of empowerment yes now. yeah absolutely I yeah. mean you, you have you, you'll be able to see this you know even people who are saying you know our, our clothing is also um, gendered so we should be able to bear what we want and we want yeah. to do this and religions often try to give a very particular way and you know and understand that within islam as yeah. i said to you about these particular ways of people understanding masculinity but i always say try to find something there, there has to be something whether it be in the poetry whether yeah. it be find an individual you always find a rebel yeah. you always find a rebel Right. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, that I love Urdu poetry, um, you know, and, and, you know, I always listen 
to, to the poetry which says stuff like look try try to find um the hidden gems amongst those who have been totally destroyed because the that that peril is often so resilient mm. and mm. and that's been written by a, a religious person yeah. and i think what is it that makes you know that person kind of want to do that and, yeah. and kind of still find some strength in a, in a, in in a tradition which they may feel is very difficult yeah. for them. And when you think about it too, um, the the religions in the context of the history of humanity is you know the the religions that we've been speaking about tonight are relatively recent in relation. Yeah. But when you think about like the the time of the pyramids and the Celts and all that, like all the texts that have been written. Like, can you imagine, right? Karl Marx wrote, you know, the Communist Manifesto, and yeah. um, Durkheim and Weber, and all these uh, sociologists, philosophers, and all these famous books. Can you imagine if we didn't have them, mm. and all we had was like paragraphs? You know, just you was to think about like all the stuff we have today in terms of religion, philosophy, sociology, and all that stuff. What about all the stuff that was from thousands of years that we never got to read, yeah. and all that wisdom yeah. that was lost, yeah. and like before these religions, there was other religions, yeah, yeah. and you know, I I don't know, I'm quite confused, but like, uh, I listen to a lot of philosophy, I read philosophy, and I like this, I like that abstract thought, and yeah. I read existential philosophy, yeah. the, the meaning of life, and what's the purpose of all this, and um, then. But, but there's a path and it's very spiritual Adele. I think for a person in recovery from addiction it's that you have to be some bit spiritual to help you get through yeah. that hardship yeah. and to look for something outside yeah, finding meaning yeah you know but you know remember to read is a privilege like my mum my can't mom, you know when my mum came she, she reads the Quran every day but she can't understand what she's reading Right? Mm. Like, my mum can barely sign her name. Mm. It's actually quite funny. I shouldn't laugh. But I've seen my mum sign her name. And then she goes, I think I've forgotten how to sign my name again. So I think it's important to kind of remember that 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 we, we've also programmed ourselves to think that, you know, if you can't read or write, oh, you must be, you must be thick. Mm. That is absolute nonsense. Yeah. My mum is more brainier than me. My mum can knock the living daylights out of the most intellectual person that I know in any Oxford Oxford or Cambridge. Yeah. And it's because she knows her surroundings. It's because she's streetwise. Mm. She's gone through difficulty. She's bathed with buffaloes. She's lived in poverty. She's 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 an entrepreneur. She's she's amazing. You she's know. a mother. She's a mother. She's Absolutely. A mother. Yeah, yeah, she's a mother of seven kids, who, mm. you know, and, and 18 or is it 19 grandchildren? And I don't know how many. It's, I just mm. totally lose count. But it's, you know, it's about... Our, again, we have to stop thinking about things in such a simplistic way that people who go to university, people who have got an education, people who have got this little piece of paper that hangs on the wall, they're, they're some sort of great bastions of, yeah. of intellectualism. I have met people who have never seen the, you know, the site of a school who I sit and I think, my goodness, I, I know nothing. 100%. And, you know, I, mean, I remember when I was in the first year social science young community in UCC I had a lecture obviously I won't name the lecture but we had a lecture from this guy and it was in that point in that moment I thought to myself you know what just because the lecturers doesn't mean they know everything because this fella was I didn't agree with anything he was saying and I, I felt that like my idea of an academic was like uh, you present 
your argument and the evidence and your student make up his own argument. And if he's got a counter argument, that's okay as long as he, you know, yeah. objectivity and all these things. But he was like, this is the only way and any other way is wrong. And in that moment, I thought, you know what, no, I won't be putting academics up on pedestals anymore. No. And if he's in that job, there's no reason I can't do a better yeah. job than him. Yeah. Because you had to live experience of what he was talking and but you know yeah. it was wrong. But we're, 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 we're socialised to believe that people working in universities yeah. are this almighty intelligence yeah. that are above everybody else. Yeah. I suppose one of the big motivations for us to start this podcast was to sh- have people share their stories um, to inspire others. But it was also like me and Tim have been privileged to come through what we've come through and yeah. have university education mm-hmm. and to live comfortable lives today. But a lot of the people that access the podcast haven't had the privilege and we wanted to like yeah. people didn't have to people in the prison that are watching this people in treatment centers all folks homes are at the home yeah. they didn't have to go to ucc and do yeah. a degree to hear you explain religion and the philosophy of religion and the diversities of religion so that's me and timmy's job done my spark and interest for yeah. somebody they might enroll in the course i hope they do because yeah. they learn a lot everybody's yeah. paths are different yeah but you know i hope that in some way we learn whether it be from reading a book or sitting under a tree and contemplating how this tree is going to go from this colour to this colour mm. and something's going to grow on it and something's not going to grow on it and what's happening underneath the ground. I mean, that in itself, you don't need a book to tell you that. Yeah. Get outside. Get outside and learn that. We learn that yeah. in our council estates. Yeah. You know, when I used to sit and look at this 24-storey building and I was just like, I wonder what it's like living at the very top of that. <laughs> you know? It's a curiosity. You, yeah. How is it? That, and, you know, somebody said to me, I don't, I don't know whether this is true, but these really, really high-rise buildings, they're not... They shake sometimes a wee bit in the wind. I don't know. It's just, I don't know whether somebody was pulling my leg, but it's the way that they're architecturally done. And I used to think, oh my god, that building's going to fall on us. That building's going to fall on us because it was always very, very windy in Townhead. Yeah. And it's just you know that that makes you yeah. think about lots of things that if you have yeah. a, if you have a natural curiosity, follow it. And if people take anything from the podcast yeah. today, is be a bit open minded, learn a little bit more. Learn about the different religions, different cultures. There's no one better than anyone or any other. A funny story. I, I was mad to go to Iran, right? So I wanted to go to Iran because it's just a completely different culture. And what would it be like to be taken from this culture mm-hmm. and put into that culture for a week or two? And Gillian is like, my wife, she's like this feminist and said, oh, you don't have to, I shouldn't have to wear that and all this. I said, no, you're looking at it from the perspective of here. But like it's different over there and it's not that our culture is better than theirs because they probably say the same about us. Mm. It's just the experience, I suppose the point I'm making is like our culture is not the greatest culture in the world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But it's good for us and their culture is good for them. Mm. And the diversity is what makes the I world go around. You, you said it well ago. Mm. You can you can have a bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Try this just because you're a Muslim yeah. man, it doesn't mean that you have to get married to your second yeah. cousin. Yeah. Uh, your marriage has can yeah. be arranged. Yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. but we've got a lot to be proud about in Ireland. You know, you're saying it's not the best culture, but you know, no, it's, it's our it's, home, you it's, know. It's, it's not better than another culture. Yeah, I no, I agree I agree yeah. with you, but I still think that, you know, that, that kind of that pride is still important. Like yeah. we can we can we can we can kind of be modest in who we are, but I also think we have to have pride in our nation. Oh, definitely. We're not you know, perfect, you know, do, but... Do, do you know what makes this nation very proud? Mm. 
when we have a good soccer team. Uh, <laughs> which Bring is back the really days of Jack Charlton. Uh, the and then we'll, we'll be a nation once again. But I think the, lands of the, the land of the saints and the scholars and our yeah. contribution towards literature and song and music and all yeah. these things probably make me proud to be an Irishman, especially when you go abroad, because yeah. that's what people associate with Ireland, other than Guinness. Uh, thanks for your time it was a pleasure you. speaking thank with you thank you for having me yeah, and you. if people want to contact you or follow you you're on social media Twitter and yeah I'm on, I'm on um, Twitter at Disondi which is my second name altogether and I'm on Instagram but I, I really just use that um, to, to chat to my nieces and, and nephews who tell me that I need to be a bit more cool and we link your um, UCC research profile if people want to follow up an interest or if you sparked an interest they can uh, access your stuff there so thanks a million thank, thank you. you thanks everyone Take care. Bye-bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.